Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Christmas nearly. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Hello, <laughs> hello. This is an inter- this is an interesting reversal on the uh, on the opening. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, thanks to Mitch for the, the the new Christmas festive theme. That's a lovely. <laughs> that's a lovely jingle. It's very threatening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very ominous. Possibly isn't it? the most threatening bills I've ever heard in my life. Yep, yep. That was that was my intention. Anyway. Welcome to Minnesota 32 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer, I'm an occasional doer of musical things, and I'm sorry if this is the first episode you've ever heard. <laughs> and I am Andy Stewart. How are you, my friend? I'm okay, sir. How are you? Good, yeah, good. I'm another busy week. I have been to gigs again. Yeah, you have, yeah. You've been here and there, trotting about. Yeah, I, th- I think potentially maybe my last two of the year, but um, I... I change. I mean, yeah. I mean, realistically, yes. Um, yeah. When I see a perfect circle uh, oh, last so je- Sunday, so jealous about that. Uh, it was absolutely fucking incredible. They really were amazing. And on Tuesday, I want to say, I was at Tuts again for the second time in six months, seeing October Drift. Oh right, okay. Um, as in, say, the second time seeing October Drift in uh, six months. They played Glasgow twice this year. Uh, that band are fucking fantastic. I love them. They're new-ish. Um, back with a couple of new singles, and they're class. Well, I love that we're, uh, we're also becoming a music recommendation podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, wh- how's your week been? Have you watched things? Let's talk about uh, horror. I, I really, I haven't really done, I haven't really watched that much at all, to be honest. I've been super fucking busy this week. I've been writing. Oh. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Say no more on that at this point. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've been kind of writing and busy. I, I started, well, I say I started, I've watched them a fucking hundred times by now, but I've been uh, continuing uh, to revisit Inside Number Nine. Oh, nice, nice. Any any in particular? Like, any particular episode you wanna you wanna flag up? Uh, well, I was kind of dabbling around in series three. A lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, so uh, it's obviously got like the bills in there. The bills great. Uh, with Philip Glenister in it. Um, and uh, is it season three that? Excuse me, is it season three that has uh, the Devil of Christmas? Yeah, the Devil of Christmas is the the yeah. opener for series three. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. Yeah, insanely bleak ending. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And, uh, I guess a special mention as well to the Riddle of the Sphinx. Ah, did you get into that this week? Checked it the other night when I, when I say I was I was writing, I was procrastinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is like ninety percent of the creative process. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, doesn't in any way make me able to answer cryptic crossword clues. 
No, no uh, I still don't know what the fuck they mean. I don't understand them in the slightest. Yeah, obviously for anyone that hasn't seen it, the Riddle of the Sphinx episode of Inside Number 9 features uh, cryptic crosswords and their clues. Kind yes. of fairly, uh, fairly significant plot point in there. Um, that's one of my favourites. It might be in my five. I absolutely love the Riddle of the Sphinx. I love Inside Number 9. Yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking amazing. I if just, anyone out there isn't watching it, you absolutely must. The first three series are on Netflix now. Yeah, I just fucking yammer on about it all the time, though. I do do that. I'm aware mm-hmm. of that. Um that's a good thing to be. That's a good thing to be uh, squeezing in the busy week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really should be doing more writing, but uh, nah. <laughs> Let me ask you this before uh-huh. we go any further: Have you seen Anna in the Apocalypse this week? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. A oh, fuck off, have yeah, you? Yeah, no, I genuinely have. Yeah, I went back again. Um, I saw it on Thursday night. I went and see it with my mum. Sheila Bain, who I've now met. You have indeed, yeah, yeah, you met on Friday. Yes, yeah. Yeah, Um, no, uh, mum was down for a couple of things, Uh, so on Thursday night, whatever the opposite is of the apple not falling far from the tree, um, we were talking about what we were going to do on the Thursday night, and... Is it the apple hovering above the tree? Uh, uh, it's not that either. <laughs> but, no, I said I, I said like we spoke about me going to the cinema, and um, I let her choose the film, and she went for Anne in the Apocalypse. Bold decision, yeah. Um, given that I know she's not a particular fan of the genre, you're quite right. Yeah, um, but she does like musicals quite a bit. Well, yeah, I suppose she's um, a fan of that particular genre yeah but I mean it went down well and obviously uh, this was viewing number four for me fucking uh, hell man so I kind of knew what I was signing up for going in and I had a good time with it as well of course I did you're uh, lining the John McPhail retirement fund there absolutely uh, <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's still in cinemas in most places by the way guys get watched it's so great um, oh. <laughs> um, what else have you watched I've watched a few things I took up one of your recommendations actually oh, I um, okay. headed over to Shudder and watched in its entirety Dead Wax ah okay cool Cool. Um, yeah. Um, and did you like it? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Also, we talked about this when you brought it up, but when uh, you said it was like eight episodes, but it basically comes out at two hours, uh-huh. I was kind of like, okay, why is it not just a feature? And having watched it now, I completely understand why it wasn't a mm-hmm. feature. The way, it comp- the way it compartmentalizes the story and things is really interesting, and I think that it's actually a really savvy decision. Yeah, and one episode in particular, I think it might be episode four. Oh, the one with the... um, uh, The the radio, the DJ? Yeah, the college campus DJ. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a a fucking excellent episode. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But no, Deadwack's really cool. Uh, Graham Resnick doing some really cool stuff on that one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I like that a lot. I um, Also, I went back. um, I revisited a film from uh, probably 2007, 2008. It's been around for quite a while. Okay. Um, I went back and took a look at uh, Luis Pedrojita and Rodrigo Sepena's Fermat's Room. Okay, what's this? So I'm I don't not, know anything about this. Yeah, I'm not sure where this would be accessible. It's definitely available on DVD because I own it. I don't know in terms okay. of streaming services and stuff like that. I'm not sure. but um, So Fermat's Room basically tells the story of these four mathematicians who each solve a puzzle that's or a, pro- a math problem that's been sent to them in the post. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do that and they get, uh, as a kind of prize, they get invited to this dinner party. Uh, that is hosted by everyone kind of gets a pseudonym right. uh, going in and uh, it's hosted by this guy called Fermat right like, uh, like the mathematician yes they're all, they're all named after mathematicians oh, right. um, from history so they turn up and the party kind of starts and then Fermat leaves the room uh, makes his excuses uh, the door locks behind him and uh, the remaining four are stuck in a room 
and they are getting kind of uh, maths or logic problems sent to a little PDA, like a little kind of like sidekick or Blackberry, as it would have been at the oh, time, right, okay. in the room. And uh, they've got like 90 seconds or whatever to solve them. And when they don't get them right, basically the four walls of the room are all fixed to hydraulic presses and the room is shrinking. Oh, right, okay. That's so pretty interesting. Yeah, it's cool. I really like it. Um, it. It's got a lot of potential to be trashy because a lot of those things kind of are. And it's not at all. It's like, I think also, again... How does it handle the, I guess, the math side of it, and the kind of, kind of as well as it kind of handles it tangentially, to be honest. Like, oh, I mean, right. like, like they're they're treated as intellectuals, and you take on faith, on faith that they're intellectuals, but not like the riddle of the sphinx. Uh, no, no, but uh, but I think that like I think that the fun and the kind of the intellectual element of it is kind of trying to solve the puzzles and things. But um, I'm terrible at maths. I'd it's it's not really math stuff. It's kind of like it's more like like I say, it's more like logic problems. Oh no. Um, but I I always do this, or like I, whenever I watch this with people, it's like an eighty minute film, and it takes like maybe a hundred minutes to watch it because you're kind of pausing it and the people that you're watching it with kind of want to have a go at solving the puzzles for themselves. Okay. Um, it's really, really fun. It's really interesting. It's really nicely done. Also, um, kind of shooting something that's like, that becomes as kind of fraught as it does as the room shrinks in a room that by definition is shrinking is really impressive from a technical angle. Yeah. I think Fairmont's room is great. I've gone back to it a number of times over the years and it just occurred to me that I've never recommended it on the show before. And I think that it's one that everyone should go and have a wee look at. So that's Fermat's Room. Okay, cool. I'm going to check that out. It sounds interesting. It's really good. Um, yeah, I'll give you a lane of it. I was going to say, get your DVD. Aye, yeah, <laughs> no problem. Uh, so that's about it, though, apart from... Ha-ha, <laughs> yes, indeed. dan 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 Make Fancy Shockwaves 100! You blindsided me with oh! Shockwaves stuff this week. Yes, I did. So you might remember that last week, Andy expressed his frustration at the fact that I was taking a very long time to watch the Shockwaves 100, which yeah. is a legitimate criticism, mm. I will admit. <laughs> it's been torture. Torturous. Uh, so uh, Andy took matter- matters into his own hands uh, this week, um, invited me to his house on Friday under the kind of pretense of just like, oh, we'll just watch some films and have some pizza and have some wine. I was like, yep, cool, good. Watch two Shockwaves 100 films. Yeah, I didn't tell you there were Shockwaves 100 films. I should have remembered. I look at the list a lot. Um, but yeah, so we got through two. And um, so Friday the 13th Part 4. Yeah! I uh, quite enjoyed it. I My stance is softening on the Friday the 13th franchise as, as it goes on and I see more of them. I kind of thought that it wasn't for me particularly, but the more I see of it, the more that I like. And I quite enjoyed Friday the 13th Part 4, and obviously it was interesting seeing how it segued into Friday the 13th Part 5. I.e. I, not at all. Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> Except interesting. Except for the character of Tommy Jarvis. Uh, um, yeah, but like, but obviously, and for newer listeners, uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 is kind of hardwired into the DNA of this podcast. It's episode one. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. our first ever Andy versus Mitch episode, and indeed our first ever episode. Yes. Um, yeah, so it was yeah. cool seeing that. Um, that, was a good, that was a good one, however. Well, just before we move on, oh, yeah? just want to touch again on Crispin Glover's dancing. Tremendous. Demands mention. Yep, I agree. Yep, it's, uh, um, it's outstanding. It's spasmodic. It's uh, twitchy. Yep, it's, um, it's, it's, it's very, just like, bizarre. Yep, it's, yeah. it's bizarre. It is great, though. I mean, I, yeah, I had a lot of fun with the film, to be honest. I mean, I did enjoy it. However... Yes, I forced a personal favourite onto you. And I did love it. Go on. We watched The Fly. Yeah! Uh, yes, uh, a shameful first watch, as so many of these are. But um, yes, I uh, I absolutely loved 
a fly. I thought it was great. It was fucking amazing. Really, really loved it. Jeff Goldblum, I think, is absolutely fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. There's actually not a weak link in the chain at all. Couldn't agree more. No, uh, the fly would be maybe uh, of the kind of, I'm guessing now, 36, 37 of these I've seen. Um, probably in the top 10, possibly five. Oh, cool. Uh, that is a fucking amazing film. Alongside, really I would say, maybe Audition... Maybe Angel Heart, mm-hmm. um, a few others. I'd have to have a real think about it. I mean, when I get to the end of this thing in like 10 years' time, I might uh, do them in descending order of preference. Oh, fucking hell. Right, okay. I might try and rank them. Or you could just do your top 10. Yeah, I'll maybe just do that. Save but that... yourself some fucking time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was the Shockwaves 100 this week. Thank you for uh, uh, tricking me into watching too. Well, it wasn't just for me, it was for the listeners as well. Because That's true, they'll be getting sick of this as well. It's fucking agony. Yeah, very true. But um, yeah, I will continue to batter through. And like I say, I should be in a position to watch a few more, a little bit more regularly now. Okay. So kind of hoping that I'll get back to the good old days when I used to come in with two films from there. Kind of hoping to get back to that in the next little while. So. What have they been saying? Yeah, it's feedback time. And uh, once again, loads of people getting in touch, uh, which is very much appreciated. I've got a few things on a number of topics, actually. Right. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to start with Teeth. Okay. Which I don't have much on, but I do have, um, it was kind of um, the latter part of a conversation, actually, between uh, Dennis Extra Atherton and us and uh, Zoe herself. Yeah. Uh, Zoe, of course, was on discussing the film with us. Um, and Dennis said, we were talking about the fact that basically it's, I think he was under the impression that it was a cut version of the film. Sure, yeah. And Which I think is an understandable thing to think. Um, but yeah basically just a lot of the violence is off camera and uh, he said I was ready for the film to really shock me but a lot of the shots are off camera subtle yes I was not expecting a film about vagina dentata to be subtle I still enjoyed it and the conversation about it was great fun excellent thanks a lot Dennis thank you Dennis well I've got a couple of things on teeth okay I know that um, you said during the episode people may remember that you said you couldn't get the melody to Hakuna Matata out of your head while you were watching teeth um, and you kept wanting to sing Vagina Dentata to that tune. Correct, yes. Uh, <laughs> Kim Morrison uh, getting got in touch just to say, uh, Vagina Dentata, what a wonderful phrase. Vagina Dentata ain't no passing craze. Yeah. <laughs> um, to which um, James Plum came swooping in not far behind that, saying, as the father of two young girls, can I just thank Strong Violent PC for ruining the Lion King for me? <laughs> uh, hashtag teeth. Uh, I'm sorry, James. Thank you, James. And thank you, Kim. Uh, yeah, no thanks a lot for that. Um, a lot, in fact, the vast majority of what I've got uh, beyond that is Masters of the Universe. <laughs> However, new person alert. What? Just want to say a big hello to Andrew Barron. That's at Sketchy Dad on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, got in touch saying that he's just discovered the podcast and uh, had some film suggestions. Uh, he had a list which included Vamp, uh, Demonic Toys, Subspecies 1 to 4, Zombie Nosh, Village of the Damned, the John Carpenter version, and Runaway. So thanks for getting in touch, Andrew. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying it. Also, Andy, you intervened and directed him to the fact that we are doing a listener choice episode. Yes. <laughs> so uh, definitely, if you uh, if you got favourite from that list that you want us to talk about, then find us an email. Stronglanguagevalentines at gmail.com. Um, right, so Masters of the Universe mostly for me from here on out. You got anything else you want to talk about before we get into that? No, let's beast into Masters of the Universe. Get it done. Kicking it off, uh, let's go first to Cosmic Ray Giddle at Cosmic Ray Giddle. Uh, I just watched it. Didn't realise the sorceress was Monica and Ross Skellow's mum. And then there's your Courtney Cox in the film. P.S. Can you two be Evil Andy and Evil Mitch this week? <laughs> we should have done that. 
Yeah. Could um, have, uh, just, uh, I know we both had a shave and we shared photos of our freshly shorn faces. We could have kept little goatees. Yeah, yeah. For uh, the evil characters. I'm uh, quite happy to report on a related note that my beard is growing back with pleasing... Uh, Velocity. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not like mine, <laughs> which is somewhat slow. Um, uh, Paddy Bass, good touch on Instagram, uh, just saying the walls were high listening to this. Fucking Gwildor. You know, I can sympathise with that. It's segment. pretty much the general consensus. Uh, yeah, more on Gwildor, actually, yeah. On uh, Michael underscore Route 66 got in touch on Instagram saying, I especially like the performance of Anthony Waddle Thompson as Gwildor in this film. <laughs> we did share a comparison photo uh, on our uh, Instagram, I believe, on our Instagram story, but we will actually upload the proper photo. Um, yeah, just we, so you can see that they do actually look quite similar. Yeah, we did run with that after uh, Mickey suggested that to us. <laughs> um, sticking with Gwildor chat, Darren Gaskell got in touch with some longer thoughts, um, culminating in a lovely little swipe at Gwildor. <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with having a thing for Meg Foster. As you do, Andy, as, as we know. I clearly do. She's great in Masters of the Universe, and I agree totally with Andy Make's stuff about the eyes. However, there is something wrong with anyone who has a thing for Gwildor. Gwildor is a supremely annoying dick throughout this movie. Couldn't agree more. Supremely annoying dick. That's yeah, yeah that's that's well put. Um, <laughs> Wicked Sister 69 again, Kim got in touch. Um how, 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 how have you not seen Masters of the Universe, Mitch? I must have seen this film about 107 times. Very precise. Uh, yes, I agree. She goes on to say, In fact, my husband and I bonded on one of our first dates because of this movie. You're in for a wild 80s-tastic ride. Kim, I agree. I had fun with that film. However, stop being surprised when I haven't seen things. You've been listening <laughs> to this for long enough. You know the drill by now. I've seen fuck all. <laughs> also staggered by the fact that you hadn't seen Masters Universe was uh, film fan Stevie, mm. uh, who got in touch to say, Looking forward to this Friday's episode with Little Miss Risk chatting about Masters of the Universe. I'm actually shocked that Watchfire's Mitch hasn't seen this film. Or to be a fly on the wall when he watches it. Now, speaking as someone who sat opposite you, mm-hmm. um, and once again, as I have done many times since we began this little adventure together, uh, I watched your face run the gamut of emotion from confusion to absolute frustration and irritation. Yep. Uh, all the way through to just a kind of shoulder shrug at the end. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. M- mo- mostly kind of just, uh, just unfiltered rage directed at Gwildor. But um, yeah, apart from that. Yeah. So far, by the way, and I know we touched on this in the episode, we had kind of put out a call for anyone who uh, maybe liked Gwildor to get in touch. Yeah, I had one person on my personal Facebook who um, was a little bit angry about the fact that I was uh, open, openly disparaging Gwildor. Um, thus far, apart from that, there have been none. Yeah, uh, Gwildorks seem thin on the ground. Short supply, yeah. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, as an aside, I just wanted to say a quick thanks to uh, Tristan Risk for oh, absolutely. Uh, coming on. It was, it was an absolute blast. I really, really enjoyed that chat. Staying with Masters of the Universe, uh, Kena Dawu on Instagram, Danny Naylor, yeah. got in touch saying, yes, the last 20 minutes of that film was superb. Don't at me. And then just simply, Neil. <laughs> And on a similar note, just to kind of general excitement before we drop the episode, Old Boy 2704 Chris got in touch saying, fuck yes, I'm all over this episode. Um, the response to this episode has been great, actually. Yeah, and it's one that kind of a lot of people hold quite dear in their hearts. Agreed, yeah. And without necessarily counting myself among them, I do understand it. Yeah. So one last thing just before we do move on from Masters Universe and on to other matters. Mm-hmm. Boz got in touch. Mm, our old uh, pal Boz. Our old pal Boz from The Little Pod of Horrors, um, previous guest mm-hmm. on Discussing Jason X. Yep, episode 27. Yes, uh, Boz reached out to us with some audible thoughts. 
Hey guys, it's Boz. Um, I'm driving at the moment, so excuse the terrible audio quality. It's not up to my usual standards. Uh, I wanted to give you some audio feedback because it's kind of how I like to do things. Um, first off, Mitch's pictures. Mitch's pictures. You say it so fast <clears throat> that my brain has now got to the point where all I hear is uh, Mitch's bitches. Um, so I'm the first one to say I am one of Mitch's bitches. Oh yeah. Um, so. I'm listening to your Master of the Universe episode. I haven't finished it, so you may say this later on, but I just have to get it off my chest now. I love how much Andy hates Gildorf, Gildorf, whatever the hell his name is, um, but much as that was my issue with my, this movie, my biggest issue was, where the fuck is Battlecat? Where's Cringer? Honestly, like, just write out one of the biggest characters in the franchise? Yeah, fuck you, no way. Bring me my Battlecat. There you go, that's my feedback. Loving your work, chaps. Keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember you. Obviously, um, I was not particularly conversant with the characters and stuff going in. Sure. So the things that were left out um, were myriad. Yeah, but they didn't really put me up or down. Um, so yeah, there was a little bit of a, a bank of frustration about the fact that we had no battle cat, no battle cat, no cringer, many other characters missed out. Perhaps even crucially, Prince Adam, he man's alter ego. Yeah, that all, all of that stuff. Was yeah, left. and and he's he's got a point. Um, the actual stuff that makes it Master of the Universe or makes it He-Man is quite slim. Um, yeah, I think that that's fair. I mean, I mean, like like I say, I mean, just for clarity, I didn't know nothing about this going. In. Yeah, like I used to, I used to watch like He-Man cartoons when I was very young. Yeah, sure. I think they're all on Netflix, by the way. If you ever want to, oh, nice. acquaint yourself, and they yeah. certainly used to be. I might do that, but um, yeah. So I, I did have like I had a grounding in the sense that I had watched it when I was very young, but I've never revisited it in any significant way. Okay. So I wouldn't have been savvy enough to spot any kind of omissions and stuff like that, even if they were kind of fairly egregious. And judging by how furious Boz sounded. It sounded like uh, leaving Battlecat out would be one of those things. I was about worried he was going to crash his car. Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, and also, just as an aside, Boz, thanks for the kind words as well. Yes, absolutely. And I quite like a bit of audio feedback. Yeah, I'm quite up for these. So Boz just yeah. sent this to the email, stronglanguagevalentines at gmail.com. If you want to do that too, do it. Like, yeah, I can't guarantee you will use it, but, yeah, like, but yeah. fire them over. Uh, it makes my edit a little harder, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no one cares about me. <laughs> and on a related note go check out Little Pot of Horrors as well yeah um, okay so I'm just about done on I have feedback. nothing else you good yeah. yeah yeah okay I so I do have some left but it's serving a particular purpose ah it is once again time for hey! Mitch's Pitches. Yeah. Uh, Mitch's Pitches, of course, being a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. As we are recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. The picture will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. Andy will remove all titles, taglines, identifying text. He'll leave only the image. I will uh, describe the image to the best of my ability and then also, if possible, give it a tagline and also a title. So last week we had Humongous. Wait, yes, we did, yeah. Which is reappropriated by me as Baby's First Rampage. <laughs> uh, now, the image is on Instagram. It's everywhere if you want to go take a look at it right now. Because, as always, on the Sunday night, we did post up the Mitch's Pictures image and <laughs> invite some suggestions from yourselves. Now, I did see a couple of these because... Um, they were on Twitter. Some of them popped up on Twitter. But certainly, with regards to any on Facebook, I haven't seen any. I have also just noticed uh, that the tagline has been left on the upcoming Mitch's Pictures image. That's fine. I'll just, but it uh, does not give away... Anything at all about the film? I, I won't use it. I'll just I'll admit yeah. I'll admit it completely. So yeah, we have some we had some listener suggestions, and I think 
one thing that I would like to do from now on, because mm-hmm. obviously, like you say, you don't have a Facebook account, so and I kind of look after the Facebook, so you don't see these until I read them out to you. Yeah. So I think that I would rather have you choose the best one. Oh shit! Right. Okay. Uh, going forward. So, loads and loads actually this week. So Twitter first. Okay. Uh, Darren Gaskell got in touch with Mobile of Death. Right. Okay. Uh, Sheridan Knott said uh, Haunted Crib Two: Night Terrors. I like the I like the the second part after the yeah yeah, yeah Night Terrors is strong yeah. I think. <laughs> uh, Laura buying an LV on Twitter. Um, apologies to Mario Bava, but kill baby kill. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Also good. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mark Logan taking it seriously again. Sure. Um, uh, Cannibal Plague Baby Wants Out 4. <laughs> what the fuck? I know. Okay. Uh, four? <laughs> yeah, four. Um, uh, he also had What's in the Crib? It's My Baby. Crib Case. This Baby's Not for Waning. Wow. Okay. So, in uh, what has become uh, a trademark Logan esque like, level of detail. <laughs> These are all very mouthy. Yeah, they are. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of um, uh, answers that are a mouthful, Faye Ellis, uh, Crib of Death 5, The Cribbening, this time it's nap time. That's good. That's a great tagline. Yeah, I'm quite keen on that one as well, I must say. <laughs> um, that's your lot. Right, okay. Uh, oh, man, this is quite difficult. I think I want to give it to uh, the cribbing. A uh, crib of death five. The cribbing. This yep. time it's nap time. Being the tagline. Yeah, and that was based on nothing more than the the tagline. Yeah, this time it's nap time is great. Yeah, yeah. Faye Ellis. Faye Ellis. This you, week's winner. Yes, you're the champion for this week. You win nothing. You win nothing but our respect. Yeah. So basically, you win nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> However, back to the matter at hand. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Let's do this. Okay. Uh, James. Right. Let's see what we got. I'm just going to do a little bit of zooming first, okay? Cool, cool. Um, so, we're kind of on the edge of a cliff here. We're looking outwards from the edge of a cliff, almost. Mm-hmm. There's like kind of some long grass around the front of the image, and there's a house that's precariously balanced on a cliff edge <laughs> um, on the far right of the image. Um, it's a cloudy sky, kind of like a little bit of fog and a full moon. Yep. Some uh, some uh, some tree branches uh, coming in from the left of the image. However, the center point of all this is um, a human hand uh, holding a skull. Mm-hmm. Skull is facing outwards, like towards the viewer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the skull has uh, kind of like a small dagger stabbed through the eyes. So that's horizontally left to right as if it was your head. Right, okay, um, right. It's very precise. Um, and uh, from what I can see, yeah, the only other thing that's really worth mentioning here is that there's also a snake wrapped around the dagger that is being stabbed into the head. So a fist holding a skull yep. with a knife through it, sure. snake wrapped around the knife or the dagger, if you like. Um, this is set to the uh, this is the foreground of an image where the background is a cliff face with a house on it, some long grass and some trees. It's a foggy night and we have a full moon. And you've missed one lonely bat. And a solitary bat. <laughs> and friendless Bob the bat. Okay, as ever, I will need a moment. Yeah, I think this house is uh, going to wind up the victim of erosion. I would agree. I would agree. Okay. Right. right. I think I have this. Well, do you? Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I'm going to go with Logline first, of course. Sure, yep, yeah, as is tradition. Uh, okay. On a stormy winter's evening, cemetery groundskeeper Jasper has his peaceful, isolated existence disturbed when an enigmatic, disheveled stranger arrives at his cliffside stately home. As the two get to know each other over dinner, Jasper's suspicions grow. Who is Charles, and how is he connected to a historical boating accident that occurred nearby? 
Jasper and Charles. Jasper and Charles. The uh, two main players in Ships in the Night. Oh, 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 yep. So it's a kind of chamber piece then. Chamber piece, Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And uh, I'm going to say 76. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I guess not, yeah. Uh, Although it sounds pretty interesting. I think it's quite good. (laughs) the year, in the case of the actual film, mm-hmm. is 1983. Okay, so not something too wild on that one. Yep, the director is Norman Thaddeus Vane. Okay. And the film, not to be mistaken for the Pete Walker film of the same title, is Frightmare. Frightmare, okay. Yeah. Maybe I should have gone with Ships in the Fright. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's that about? Uh, when his loyal fans decide to steal his fresh corpse from the mortuary to party with it all night long, a true horror film star returns from the grave as a ghastly bloodsucker bent on revenge. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, that concludes another Mitch's Bitches. Uh, ships sadly. in the night this time. Yep, sadly, yeah. Yeah, uh, but of course, the image is everywhere, so uh, get in with your suggestions. We will, as always, read them out, pick the best one, all that kind of thing. Uh, so next up, podcast recommendation. Yep, your turn, sir. It is indeed, and I have one. Yeah, go on then. And it's not a horror fiction podcast. Wow. Um, I'm going to go with Scotland, a Scottish history podcast. Oh. Uh, which <laughs> is the brainchild of uh, one of our listeners, actually. Oh, right, okay. Um, Be Quiet Michael on Twitter, Michael oh, Park. Oh, right, okay. okay. Um, um. So this is basically, I think it's going to be monthly, um, and it basically plucks a story from Scottish history. And uh, kind of tells it just in a straight one voice and a microphone kind of thing. Maybe right. some atmospheric so, music. So not like a dollop style history thing. No, um, no, but like, um, but it's it's really interesting. The first episode's out already. Okay. Um, and it's it's really really good. I um, I'm really impressed by it out of the gate. Some really cool stuff. Some cool audio effects, things like that. And yeah, like I say, it just pluck it plucks a story from Scottish history. It's not necessarily something that you would learn about in school. Or something like that. Just pretty much anything that uh, Michael's come across that he thinks is a story that's worth telling. Oh, that sounds pretty interesting. Um, yeah, and like I say, first episode's available now. That's called Scotland, a Scottish history podcast. Scotland's amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It sure is. Any other business? I, I don't believe so. Just another reminder that we are running a listener's choice. Of course, yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's worth a mention. We yeah. are I'm currently taking your submissions for an upcoming listener's choice episode. We're unsure exactly when that'll be. At this point, it'll be in the new year. Um, but we've got a guest from a previous episode who's agreed to come back. Yeah. Um, this time, not to talk about a film that they've chosen, but to talk about a film that you've chosen. So it's emails only. Emails exclusively. Exclusively. For this. Don't fuck about. <laughs> exactly. We want longer thoughts. We want to understand why you've picked it. Um, if you can fit the reason why you picked it into 280 characters, we don't want to know. No, we don't. No. no. Get in touch, scenes at gmail.com. Pick the film that fits the format that you would like to hear us talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know how you came across it, what your relationship with the film is, why you think it's great, and why you think it's worth a second look. We will uh, put some of our favourites into a hat, draw them out, and at some point in the new year, we will be having our very first Listener's Choice episode. Yeah. So I guess all it's left to do is talk about this coming week's episode. Yes, indeed. So we do have a guest this week. We do, yeah. And, well, you know how we were talking about Dead Wax earlier on? <laughs> yes. Well, you may know this man best, potentially, for the work that he's done on things like Stakeland, Clown, pretty much everything that Ty West name's ever been on. Mm-hmm. He was the co-writer on one of my favourite video games, which I've talked about before, and just played through again until dawn. And he is the writer and director of the Shudder original series, Dead Wax. Mr. Graham Resnick joins us this week. Yay! <laughs> and what are we talking about? 
talking about? Well, we're going back to 1988, Mitch. Okay. Back into the hazy, hazy days of 1988 for a film that is pretty maligned, I would say. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, Gary Sherman's Poltergeist 3. Poltergeist 3. Yeah. Okay. Seen it? No. <laughs> Almost inevitably, I have not. Yeah, well, that's what we're doing. We're doing Poltergeist 3 with Graham Resnick. It's the only one that I haven't seen. Oh, right, okay. From that series, right, actually. Okay. Cool. Which is, I think, by my standards, pretty good going. Did you see the remake? No. Ah, right, you're no. not missing much. I was going to say, no. So, Graham Resnick, the writer-director of uh, Dead Wax and Soundman Extraordinaire, joins us this Friday to talk Portergrace 3. So, you got any opinions on that or anything else that you've heard today? Get in touch with us. Facebook and Instagram, we're Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email Scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and as you know, we're everywhere. We are everywhere. We're everywhere, just about everywhere. Yeah, um, omnipresent. Yeah, if you can listen to our podcast on it, we're pretty much there too. We massively appreciate everyone that does listen, um, but if you could just take a couple of minutes just to show us a little bit of your appreciation by just sending us a little like or a comment or follow. a review, a follow, whatever the hell you subscription, do. Subscription, all those yeah, subscribe, whatever it is. Yeah, it always sounds like we're kind of just courting things for our egos, but it does make a difference. If you yeah, could do that, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, also, big thank you to Podbean for hosting us, as yeah, always. As always. Polite clap. Good guys, good guys. Great bunch of lads. So we'll be back Friday, 8am GMT, talking Portergeist 3 with Graham Resnick. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Good night. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 